morning. Come on, say this with me. This is my Bible. I live by its truth. I walk in its light. I rest in its promises. I'm empowered by its love. I overcome by the faith produced from receiving this seed sown into my heart. Father, I thank you in these next few moments. You're going to speak to us by your living word. Lord, we don't just hold a book in our hands. We hold your living word. And so, Father, we thank you today. There will be an impartation of revelation and understanding clarity in our life by the ministry of your Holy Spirit to us. In Jesus' name, somebody said? Amen. Amen. How many know, does anybody know how many countries in the world there are? People are looking at their neighbors. I didn't know there'd be a test. (laughs) Amen. Anybody guess how many, how, how many countries or nations in the world there are? Huh? 136. Close. Huh? 220. Closer. 315. Now we're just making stuff up. Amen. (laughs) There's actually 198 countries in the world. How many know how many countries have banned the Bible? Countries where you could not make a declaration, where you cannot carry your Bible, read your Bible. Anybody have an idea how many? 12. 50 was closest. 52 nations in the world ban the Bible. One-fourth of the world, it is illegal, and you can be imprisoned in Korea. You can even be put in North Korea. You can even be put to death. Now, let, let me just share that with you. The reason I'm saying that is because we take for granted the freedoms and the liberties we have. So let me ask you this. Why is the Bible, um, why ban the Bible? I mean, they don't ban anything else. And people say, well, you know, the Bible is just fairy tales. Well, nobody ever gotten th- th- thrown in jail for reading uh, the, the Odyssey or Iliad or any of that stuff, reading fairy tales or Greek mythology. Nobody gets thrown in jail for that. But if this is just a book of fairy tales and myth, why are we imprisoning people and banning it? Because it is this. It's God's instruction manual for life. The Bible is God's instruction manual for life. This morning I'm going to speak to you about divine principles. And the Bible is a book of divine principles. And you're going to hear this over and over as we're going to be going just to kind of a little bit of an intro into a series. But God gives us the principles to live by. It's the principles for life is what the Word of God contains. And when you live by that, you find out that not only are there principles, but every principle has a pattern that that is set forth for us to follow and to live by. And when you apply that, then every principle is also connected to a promise. Or the principle is, is if we do this, it produces a promise or a harvest in our life. And so the Word of God is this great blessing. To us. See, the Bible is God's Word. How many know the Bible is the number one bestseller of all time? No book has ever outsold the Bible. It always has been, always will be. But it's also the most feared book in all the world. And so people are afraid of it. Why? Because Jesus said this in John 6, 64. He says, the words I speak unto you, they are spirit and they are life. Amen? David said like this, your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. So the word of God brings light. It illuminates. It shines upon things. And it reveals truth. Amen? And so when you're operating it, and most of the countries that have banned the Bible have dictatorships or controlling, we have no freedom, people aren't, don't have the freedoms that we enjoy and are on the verge of losing in America. 
Let me just say this to you. Please register and vote. Amen. Amen. Seriously. I, I hear a lot of people talking about leaving California and doing all this because California is going to hell in the handbasket. One guy told me last week that he's leaving California, moving to another state because California is now Sodom and Gomorrah. I said, well, wonderful. Praise God. If the church would vote, we could take it back. But let me just put you like this. The, the world is going to hell in the handbasket because the church has retreated into their reserved culture of safety and refused to get involved. Less than 40% of the church actually votes. Now, that's not us, because I'll tell you guys you can't come here if you don't vote. <laughs> I tease them. Amen. I don't. But you can't complain. If, you, if you're not engaged, you have no voice. And if, if you don't use your voice in voting, you can't use your voice in complaining. Your vote does count. Your vote does count. Amen. And people can't vote. Years ago, uh, we, we, we were, I don't even know why I'm going here, but I am. Um, <laughs> Years ago, I'm talking about freedom and liberties, but years ago, Willie Brown, when he was the speaker of the assembly in the state in, in California, he, he told a pastor, Philip Godot, in Sacramento, he says, I don't listen to the church because you guys will not organize and you guys do not vote. The church had a reputation. This was back in the 80s. And he says, you don't vote. And so then we look at everything going on. How many have seen anything about the sex education that is now being put, brought into our schools? Yeah. Have you seen anything about any of that? Okay, let me ask you this. What are you going to do about it? I'm just going to be upset. I'm just going to be mad. I'm just going to complain on Facebook. Get involved. Get involved. If you have children in public school, and I'll just tell it right now, because this is what they're going to teach your children how to do in public school. They teach your kids how to have anal sex. Pastor, can you say that in church? It doesn't matter what I say in church. They're going to teach kids in elementary school how to have all kinds of deviant and perverted sexual activity. Anything you can think of. Oral sex, anal sex, bisexual, anything they want. Are you listening to me? And so you live in a nation of freedom, but we are giving up our freedoms and we are being taken away. And the Word of God gives us principle. And the reason they don't want the Bible in the, in, in the schools is because the Bible speaks against everything that's going to be taught. It, it, it is truth. Are you listening to me? And so you're, gonna have, you're, you're coming to a place, America's been free, but you're coming to a place where you're going to have to decide whether you're going to be quiet or whether you're going to have a voice. Amen. Well, I, I don't want to face any persecution. Well, let me put you like this. You're going to face persecution just for what you believe, just on your value. And you're going to be told to give them up because you refuse to speak. And you'll be forced to give them up if you don't become involved. Amen. Well, so much for my commercial this morning. John chapter 8. Are you there? John chapter 8, and I want you to just hear this one, ver two verses this morning. John chapter 8, verses 31 and 32. The people said to Jesus, Jesus said to the people who believed in him, you are truly my disciples if. One of my first messages I preached when I first started in the ministry was if, the most challenging word in the Bible. If. You are truly my disciples if. You remain faithful to my teaching, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. So Jesus says, when I speak to you, I'm speaking truth, and if you are 
my disciples, then you will. The King James says, if you continue in my word, then you are my disciples indeed. The word continue there is the same Greek word for the word abide in John 15. He that abides in me and I in him, my words abide in you. So the abiding principle, the continuing principle, Pastor Tim did a great message on that. We've been talking about that in that area of abiding. When the word of God abides in you, it brings revelation and clarity of truth. And so it's so important in our life. So I want to talk to you now a little bit. I don't have time to read the scriptures. Hebrews 11, uh, read the whole chapter in Hebrews 11. It's a chapter of faith. 16 times in that one chapter it says, by faith. By faith, by faith, by faith, by faith. Faith is when I act upon. Faith is an action. It is a verb. It is not a noun. Faith is action. Faith is acting in response to what God has said. It's me believing God's word and acting upon his word. When I believe God's word, I act on it, and that is faith. Are you with me? And so let me put, we talked about this Thursday night at our life group. We talked a little bit about the authority of the believer. But there's something different between what you know and what you believe. See, many Christians know the word, but they act on other things. Because knowing and believing are two different things. You can know the word, but you act upon what you believe. I'll let that sink in for a second. Because I, well, I know the Bible says this, I know the Bible says that, and da 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 But you do what you believe, not always what you know. Are you doing all right? And what I, when I, I'm acting upon my faith, my belief, my conviction, regardless of what I know. So Jesus says you'll know the truth. So I'm talking to you. Hebrews 1 tells you about the act of faith. John 15 is the abiding principle. John 16, 22 through 27. Jesus said, ask in my name. Asking God. Petitioning God. Declaring things in the name of Jesus. Those are principles that we have been given to live by. Are you with me? And so in there. So look at the cover of your outline. We'll walk through this in the next few moments. Watch it. The Bible was written so that we might have an account. And a record of God's principles and patterns. God never violates or operates outside of the principles set forth in his word. Let me just give it to you like this. This is all that God's going to do in the earth. People say, well, I think this and I think that. You can have a nice thought. You can have a nice idea, a nice concept. The only thing God's going to do in the earth is his word. In fact, it is so sure. Listen, it is so sure and it is so effective. I hope you get it this morning. 52 countries will not allow this in because the word works. That ought to be enough just to get you to believe everything in it right there. Live by. Nations, nations are afraid of this book. We can't let that book in our nation. If the people get a hold of this book, we will lose control. You want to know who else believes that? The devil. If God's people get a hold of this book, I will lose control of their life. Are you doing all right? The kingdom of God operates in the earth based on the principles and according to the pattern set forth by God in his word. When we learn the principles and apply the patterns, we too can see his power and receive his promises in our life. Man and religion have lots of concepts, ideas, theories, philosophies about God and about what he will do and won't do. 
But God will always honor his word and keep his promises to those who live by the principles and patterns of his word. That's just what it is. So in other words, if we listen, if we read and follow the instructions, it works. Amen. Not your idea of how it should work, but doing the word. Amen. Living by the word. Yes, it is just that simple. It's just simple. Man has to make religion to make it complicated. It is simple because God's word always works. Amen? It always works. So what happens? God speaks, but man must agree. That's the difference. See, I can hear the word of God, but until I agree with it and I begin to act upon it, it will not produce in my life. God speaks, but man must agree. Many people think that just because God said it, it's going to come to pass in their life. No, it won't. Amen. How remember the old coffee table Bible? He grew up there just as one on the coffee table. It didn't mean anything. It was just there. We, we have a Bible in our house. And somehow, just by having it there, it was like a good luck charm. Just the fact that was there, good would happen to our house. Amen. No, the, the word is a seed. The word is a seed and it has to be sown. Are you listening to me? And it has to be received. God speaks to bring revelation of the principle and the pattern. Man speaks in agreement and acts in faith to produce the performance. God speaks to bring the revelation to you. You speak in agreement to bring about the performance of the word. When God speaks and man agrees and speaks, the revealed becomes the prophetic in the earth. Paul said it like this, desire that you may prophesy. Let me tell you, you can prophesy all the time. And I think as Pastor Steve said, you know, I, I just need a word from God. I give you a word right here. This is God's word to you. I, I, need, I need a prophetic word over my life. Well, then open it up and read it. The whole thing is prophetic. I just wish somebody would speak a word over my life. God said, I'm available. I mean, you could go to that guy, but I'd talk to you too. Are you doing all right? When God speaks and man agrees and speaks, revealed, the revealed, hear it. The revealed becomes a prophetic in the earth. The word to prophesy means to proclaim and to make known. The only thing that cannot be changed by the revealed and the spoken word of God is man's free will to choice. Everything else is temporal and subject to change. And God's word gives us directions on how to speak and declare. Secondly, man is in the place of authority in the earth. This is the what listen, the church has told you God is sovereign. Religion says God is sovereign. He can do whatever he wants. That is exactly true. God is a sovereign God. He is omniscient. He is, he is omnipresent. He is all-knowing. He is all-powerful. He is all-present. Amen? Amen. And, and in that, he, he can do anything he wants at any time. And in his omniscience, in his all-knowing wisdom, what he did is he made you the authority in the earth. Genesis chapter 1, God created man and he gave him dominion and he gave him authority in the earth. And now everything God does in the earth, he does through humanity. Everything. 
Everything God has ever done. Jesus came by God working through men. Are you listening to me? And then God speaks his word to you, and he gets people, all the prophets of old spoke. The Holy Spirit gave them what to say. Then they would prophesy, and now we're living in the fulfillment of what God spoke through man in the earth. Now, if you ever receive God's word that way, that this is God inspiring you by the Spirit to speak and declare his word into the earth in your life, you'll see it go to a prophetic and a living word coming to pass in your life as well. Man, I'm preaching better than you're receiving this morning. Amen. So watch it. So man's a place of authority. Hear me. God has to work within the principle of authority that he established in the earth. That's why I say people have all kinds of ideas. God said, I made man the authority in the earth. Amos 3 and verse 3 said, God says, I will do nothing in the earth unless I first, listen, unless I first reveal it to my servant, the prophet. God has done nothing in the earth that he has not first revealed to a man. Nothing. Are you doing okay? That's how God works through our life. And when I understand that and begin to walk in the application of it, it changes everything. Satan knows that and he does the same. The only way the devil can work in the earth is to get a man to walk in agreement with him. It's the only way. He, he, he operates under stolen authority. The Word of God makes this very clear. Listen to what it says. Paul says, resist the devil. Give no place to him, James said. Jesus said there. Go, go with me to John chapter 14. John chapter 14, verse 30. You doing all right? This is just an introduction. We're getting ready to go into a series that'll, that'll be a real blessing. John chapter 14, verse 30. I don't have much more time to talk to you. I'm reading from the New Living Translation. Jesus speaking to his disciples. Now watch. Because the world, ruler of this world approaches. Listen to what he said. The ruler of this world approaches. Satan became ruler of this world when he got Adam and Eve to follow his suggestion. He rules in your life when he gets you to follow his suggestions. And he always comes to your life with words. The devil comes with words. God comes with... And every day you make a choice... Between whose word you will yield your life to. And when you yield your life to the word of the devil, you've just given him authority to operate in your life. That's why I said it a couple weeks ago on this. That, that, that Jesus says, don't worry, don't have anxiety, don't think about these things, don't fret, don't stress over anything. When you worry, when you operate, listen to what Paul said, God has not given you the spirit of fear. A spirit of fear. So when I say I'm afraid, I'm so afraid, what are you doing? You're allowing a spirit to operate in your life. I'm just, I'm just volunteering. I'm signing up and volunteering to allow the devil to have access in my life. Instead of saying, I'm afraid, I'm so worried about, I'm so worried about that. I, I'm, I'm just, I, I just can't rest. I, I just stay up all night. I just worry, worry, worry. Why would you volunteer for torment? Yeah. 
to be tormented. When the Bible says the weapons of our, listen to this what Paul said, the weapons of our warfare, somebody say warfare. See, you're in a battle whether you want to be or not. That's what I said about America. People say, well, we don't, you don't understand you're in a battle. And people say, well, you know, I'm just going to pull back. I'm just going to take care of myself. I'm just going to move someplace where there's no problem, whether this or that. It doesn't matter where you go. Hell is everywhere. Problem, trials, everything is everywhere. There's no perfect place. There's no escape place. So we live in an escapism mentality. I want to disengage. I don't want to be engaged. But you're in a war whether you want to be or not. That's why it says, the First and Second Corinthians 10, the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. They are not natural. But they are mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds and bringing every thought into obedience to Christ. So when I'm thinking those thoughts, worry is just your mind engaged in something your body can do nothing about. I, I, I can't do anything about it. I can't, I can't pick it up. I can't move it from here to here. I, I can't rearrange it. I can't do it. So what I'll do, I'll just do everything all in my head. And they go, why can't I get any sleep? I don't know. Turn your stinking brain off. Are you listening to me? Just, just shut down. Let me, let me give you a great word. Stop! Get a word from the Lord. Stop. Quit. You're not going to do it. Well, I, I was awake all night just worrying about. Okay, awesome. How do you feel today? I'm so tired, wore out. Well, so what would be a good answer? Not to do that tonight. Amen. So what else? Paul said it like this. If the, Paul said, think on these things. If this is anything lovely, just, pure, honest, of a good report, if there be anything worth the praise or thanksgiving, think on that stuff. Not on the stuff that you can't do anything about. And then if you get up tomorrow and you have the opportunity to move that from here to there, do that. And after you move it, move on. You doing all right? So the devil operates through that. By, by, so look what he said. Jesus said, the, the, because the, the ruler of this world approaches, but what he said. He has no power over me. King James said, he has no place in me. Or Jesus saying, I refuse to give him, he's coming, but I refuse to give him place or access into my life. I'm going to put you like this. The enemy has no access in our life. How, how many have been in church over 25 years? How many remember testimony services? How many remember the person that said, the devil's been chasing me all week? <laughs> Run faster. <laughs> I used to always think, well, you must be really doing something for God if he's interested in you. They're really, I mean, no, we just get all kinds of ideas. But there, there, there's no scriptural basis for that. But yet to believe or to think. So what I'm doing is, is I think the devil. So I'm giving all this credit to the devil. Instead of resisting and speaking and declaring the authority of God's word. Are you doing okay? So look at this next point. So that man must speak and act on God's word in the earth in order for it to come to pass. 
Man, what's, what's the power of one man's obedience? What, what would be the power of you just taking this word, believing it, that, that nations are afraid of that? Man, if this is so powerful that nations will not allow this into their country, then I'm going to believe this. I want this power in my... That's what God has put in your hand. He put power in your hand that make nations tremble. I have nation-shaking power in my hands. Wow. What is the power of one man's obedience? Abraham birthed the nation and opened the door for Christ's resurrection. Noah saved humanity. Moses delivered a nation. Joshua led a nation into their inheritance. Samson was a deliverer. Esther delivered a people. David led a nation into victory over, the, over their feared enemy. Jesus redeemed all of humanity. By one man. By one man. All humanity is saved. So hear me this morning. i get a couple more minutes. Faith has to have a voice. Faith has to have a voice. Jesus, as our example and pattern to follow, declared everything before it came to pass. This is what he said. He said, he said Jesus said, I'm telling you this now so that when it happens, you won't be surprised. How many times did he tell the disciples, the Son of Man is going to be betrayed in the hands of sinners? The Son of Man is going to be betrayed in the hands of sinners. I go, what's he talking about? He's going to be rejected. You're all going to flee. You're all going to leave me. What he said to Peter, Peter, before this night is over, you'll deny me three times. Everything Jesus was always declaring before it came to pass. Our problem is... We don't want to declare, we're just waiting for it to come to pass so we can say, there it is. We think it's going to come to pass because we believe it, but we won't speak and declare it before it comes to pass. We won't call it as is before it shows up. The Bible says that God, God calls those things that are not as though they were. So when you begin to speak prophetically, when you take God's word and you give your faith a voice and you begin to speak as it is already done, I am the healed of the Lord. I am the redeemed of the Lord. I sleep good at night. I have peace. My mind is at peace. I rest well. I am healthy. Youth possesses me. That's a good one for some of you. Amen. People say, Pastor, where do you get all of your energy? I refuse to be old. I hung out with some old people one time. It scared me. I said, I will never be old. Amen. Because age is a mindset. And you, you, you're told in this world, when you start getting to a certain age, you need to start shutting down. You need to quit thinking about doing things. Why shut down when you're in your prime? All right, moving right along. I'll preach, I'll preach to the youth this morning. Hallelujah. Amen. So watch it. Jesus, as our example, gave us a pattern to follow and declared everything before it came to pass. In Peter chapter 1, you can read it. Prophets of old, they, listen, they, they were prophesying and declaring the coming of the Lord and our salvation. The Bible says even angels wanted to see what they were declaring. Wanted to look into it. Think about it. But they... 
What we now experience, they declared before it came. They declared the Messiah, the restoration of the kingdom, and redemption. I love it. When, when you read the Old Testament, you, you'll read in Jeremiah and in the prophet, and it says, in that day, in that day, in that day, that day hasn't come yet, and when you read the things that are connected with those declarations in that day, you go, wait a minute, that hasn't been fulfilled yet. So that day is yet to come, but when it comes, we will know that it is that day because it was declared before it came. Are you doing all right? <coughs> and so God's Word works in our life in the very same way. God always has and always will work through a man. Now, just look at somebody and tell them, could be you. <laughs> Amen. Could be you. Amen. Look at your other neighbor and say, why not me? That's my question to you. Why not you? God will work through anybody. Why not you? 38 years of pastoring, do you know how many people, I, I hear very few people say, I, I, Pastor, I just believe I could do anything for the Lord. Do you need anything done? <laughs> Pastor Louis, we hear that very much? Not so much. No, I didn't think so. <laughs> people say, well, I like to get involved, but you know, I just don't have much ability. Well, you know, I just, I, I just can't. I don't have this. I, I don't have that. We, 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 why do we discredit ourselves? Let me give it to you like that. God says, here's what God says. Nothing I will ever ask you to do will you be able to do. So in order to do what I ask you to do, you're going to have to allow me to gift you, equip you, grace you, provide for you, give you everything you need. You're just going to have to believe that I will use you. And when I use you, it will be everything I have, everything in me, in you, working through you. And because it is all me and none of you, I'll get the glory. Is what God said. I will do it in a way that people will know that God is working through your life. Amen. So God always likes to set us up. Amen. So man's redemption was planned before the foundation of the world, yet man had to give access to it into the earth. We tend to think too one-dimensionally. Let me ask you this. Was God choosing Abraham because he was special? I believe God chooses people because they're crazy. Because they're outside of their own mind. And they won't let their own mind talk them out of being used by God. See, when you get outside of your own mind, the world calls you crazy. The person, look at, they're out of their mind. Thank you. Yes, I am. Don't bring me back. Why would I want to come back to that? Are you doing all right? No, I, I just want, I want to live outside of my mind that, that has fears, that has doubt, that has discouragement, that, that, that doesn't think I can. I want to live outside of my mind and believe that God wants to use my life. Are you doing all right? So we just allow God to take us to another level. God always works through a man to perform his purpose and plan based on his established principle. God needed Abraham. Get this. God, we don't think about this. God needed Abraham to offer Isaac so that he could be on earth what he already was in heaven. 
Jesus was slain before the foundation of the world. Your redemption was set in heaven. But in order, as Jesus said in the Lord's Prayer, for us to pray, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. He has to get somebody to agree in an act of obedience here on the earth. The door, man is the door of authority to open the door for heaven to come into earth. Are you with me? And so God says, Abraham, I need to bring forth the child to you. But, but I need to bring forth the child in a way that you can't think your child is something special you made. So I will bring forth a child through you when you are too old naturally to have children. When Sarah is too old naturally to have children. So you won't be able to take pride in your immaculate seed. <laughs> Doing all right. So this child will always be a child of promise that God brought forth. Why? Because Abraham said, you read it in, in Hebrews 11, Abraham no, had no problem offering up Isaac on the altar because he reckoned that God was able to raise him from the dead seeing how he had already received him from death. And so he said, I, 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 I need to bring my son through you. And if I can bring a child promise to you. And then if you will offer Abraham, give me your son, your only son. Your, your firstborn son. Offer him up as a sacrifice. And so when Abram was willing to do that. God was able to stop and say, thank you for opening the door. Because you did that, I can now give my soul. So what is God asking you to do to open heaven in your life? What is he asking you to do See, that, that's what we don't understand. We're going to receive the offering here at the end of service. But people go, listen to what God, listen to what God says about tithing. Look, look at God, God said to Abraham, offer up your son. Give me a sacrifice of your son, and that will open the door for me to release the Redeemer of humanity into the earth. Operate in this act of obedience, and it will open the window of heaven and release salvation into the world. God says, honor me with the tithe, and I'll open the, and, and your obedience will open the window of heaven, and I'll pour out a blessing you cannot contain. So when God asks us to do something, it's because he's already determined in heaven beforehand what he wants to do. It is laid up in store. Eye is not seen. Ear is not heard. Neither has it entered in the heart of a man. All the things that God has prepared. Laid up in store, waiting and available to those who love him and are called according to his purpose. Those who will say yes, walk in obedience to his word, believe the word, speak the word, act on the word. And it releases the provision of heaven in every area. Are you doing okay? Hallelujah. I tried to do a sermonette. It didn't work. Amen. So think about it. The worship team will come back. Look at God's name. El Shaddai. El 
Shaddai. The all-sufficient one. You know what literally means in the Hebrew? You know what El Shaddai means in the Hebrew? It means the breasty one. When a child is at its mother's breast, what is it receiving? Absolutely everything it needs for life. And God ordained that through that feeding process. That child would re- receive immunities. It, it would receive development. It, it, would see, it would receive, oh my goodness. And God says, that's who I am. I, I, I will feed you. I, I will nurture you. I will sustain you with my life. You can draw upon my life. Amen. And then his name is Jehovah Jireh. Got a lot of other things to go with Jireh, but you guys pulled out. I mean Jehovah, but you guys pulled out Jireh. But that's exactly what it is. The Lord will provide. The Lord will. The Lord will. The Lord will. Now, if I could just get you to believe that as loud as you said it. See, it's one thing to say it loud. It's another thing to live it loud. And I live it loud through a bit. Man, I'm going to buy this tape myself this morning. <laughs> Amen. So watch it. See, asking God, believing God, and obeying God allows Him to go beyond what you ask for. Paul said it like this. God is able to do, Ephesians 3, exceedingly, abundantly, above all, that you ask or think. But then we say, I know, Pastor, I know he can. I just don't know. Just don't say anything after that. After you say, I know he can, don't cancel it. I know he can. I just don't know if he will. What? Just settle, he can. He can. And settle, he will. I can give you one, just one. The leper said, Lord, if you will, you can make me hold. You said, okay. And say, I don't know, let me think about it. Let me see if you're worthy. Fill out this questionnaire. And I'll review it. And if you meet the criteria, you can come back and meet with me, and and we'll debate, and then I'll see. No, he just said, I will. Boom. Blind Bartimaeus said, Lord, have mercy upon me. Jesus said, come here, come here, come here, come here. Okay, what do you want? What a stupid question to ask a blind guy asking for mercy. A blind guy is crying out for mercy. Lord, Son of David, covenant redeemer. The one who fulfills the covenant promised to David, our redemption. The one who has come to redeem and to restore, have mercy upon me. Jesus stopped at that cry. When he said, Son of David, have mercy, he called upon covenant. But yet Jesus says, come here, what do you want? He made him say what he wanted. 
said, I want to see. Okay. But he made him say what I want, what he wanted. You need to learn you have to say. Why? Because you are the authority. God can't give you what he knows you need. What he wants. Are, are, are you getting this? Jesus said, your father knows what you need before you ask, but he can't be moved with you just based upon his knowledge of your need. He can only move based upon your request because he made you the authority in the earth until you open the door and say, Father, come in. He can't be moved by emotion. I'm telling you, people say, why does God let all these bad things happen? Because nobody is asking him to do anything about it. And the moment you ask, he moves. Are you with me this morning? What do I do? How does it happen? What I have to do is I first have to respond to his request from me. He says, give me your life. Look what Jesus says. Give me your life. I will give you my life. Uh, I don't know. I kind of like my life. Completely broke. I'm in bondage. I live in fear. Have two friends, and both of them don't like me. Why would I want to get saved? Give me your life, and I will give you. called the great exchange the great exchange so I submit to his request submit to his plan his purpose for my life Lord I'll live for you and then I live to see his plan come to pass (laughs) it's my prayer I could get all of you to go all in I could take days to tell you all the doors God's opened up in my life. The stuff I've got to do, just saying yes. But countries, places, people think it's crazy. And that's what you have to be, crazy. But we're so afraid. How many could tell just a little bit, I no longer care what people think? I'm way beyond that. If I could get you beyond being worried about what people think about you, there's only one person that I care about and what he thinks about me. That's my Father in heaven. Amen? I just want to please him. Hallelujah. Bow your head with me this morning. Pray this prayer with me. Heavenly Father, today I believe you love me so much. You gave your son for me. And I believe that if I say yes and give you my life, you will give me yours. So today I say yes. I give my life to you. I want to see 
your plan for my life come to pass in Jesus name I know you made me the authority so today I choose to live and to speak in agreement with your word in Jesus name Amen Hallelujah Now I'm going to ask them to do this I'm going to We're going to receive our offering right now In giving And so if you need an offering envelope They're there in front of you And you can pick one up And give And I learned a long time ago I just started When God calls you to preach Um before you can preach it, you have to live it. So Sue and I aren't only tithers, we're givers. We're not just tithers, we're givers. And, and, and I learned a long time ago, I could either be a tipper or I could be a tither. And when you go out, if you go out to lunch today, many times if you've given a tip, many times you've given a tip based upon the quality of service you received. But when you gave that tip, that was your harvest because you paid for what you received. And in worshiping God, if, if I give based upon what I think I received or based upon the value that I'm receiving, then that's your harvest for your giving. You, you've already received your harvest. You're, you're paying. It's, it's not a seed sown. It's a payment for receiving. Well, I think I received this. I get this value. This is the value that I get out of church. So you're paying for something that you've received. So there's no harvest connected to that type of giving. I tithe for the expectation of the harvest of the promise of God's word when I sow seed. Are you with me? So not only do Pastor Sue and I tithe, we give to our building fund, we give to missionaries, we give to outreaches, we give to everything. We live by giving because the Word says, and when I operate in obedience to His Word, just like I said, then that opens the door of heaven into my life. Amen? Father, today I thank You, Lord, for Your Word in our lives. So, Lord, today we give out of obedience. God, we live agreeing that You want to bless us more than we want to be blessed. You want to release your provision. You've prepared exceedingly, abundantly, above all we could ever ask or meet. Lord, your word, John said, I pray above all things, my children, that you would prosper and be in hell, even as your soul prosper. The blessing of the Lord, you said, would make us rich and add no sorrow to it. You would make us a blessing so we could bless. You have pronounced and declared what you want to do. So today we just agree. And we say yes, and we give in obedience to open the door. In Jesus' name. Everybody said, Amen. Go ahead, ushers, receive the offering. Lead us in that song, Lord, I'm amazed.